recorded live. You're now tuned into the VMware Community Podcast, your number one source on VMware news and updates, interviews with V experts, product updates, new launchings, VMware events, and much more. Join the conversation and welcome to VMware Community Podcast. Now live with Eric Nielsen. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 573. My name is Eric Nelson. With me today, I have my co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. On the show today, we're going to be talking about VMworld sessions, and we have specifically a couple great session speakers with us today. Bob Plankers, Senior Technical Marketing Architect for Cloud uh, Products Business Unit. He has, I think, three different sessions at VMworld. We also have Manub uh, Minahazuddin, VP Edge Computer. Uh, he has, I think, seven sessions, so we're going to get to them and talk about what's happening with their sessions as well as overall session experience at VMworld this year. But before we get to the to to, to that, let me introduce my co-host, Matt Longeth. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well. I watched the Apple event yesterday, and to, to do a little bit of a sidebar here, I'm constantly amazed, just if you even take the tech away from it the marketing that goes into that event, right? From, from all of us that are in that little bit of the marketing spin from what we do in our day-to-day -day activities, it constantly impresses me of the, the fit, the finish, and the polish of those presentations. Everything from the decks, the, the, the AV experience, even the transition between the elements. And it really continues of how do you to, to sell that product with it's just, you know, all new features and innovations that 90% of the product base probably won't even use or, or whatnot. So it's it was interesting to see. I don't know if you caught it or were able to, to catch up on the event, um, but just Apple continues that innovation and whatnot. But enough about Apple, sir. Uh, that's just my take on that particular event. Most importantly, we're here. It's the fall. It's VMware season. As you mentioned, sir, we have some great speakers today with us. So let's jump right in. But before all of that, those important questions as we always start off with, how are you, sir? How is the weather? And what is the color of the bay? Well, well, let me tell you, I got to say hi to Bob. Bob was here, I think, last year. Uh, I went and looked at the episode, and I'll do a shout out to that episode when we get to get to there, Bob. But uh, you were here last year, and the color of the bay I did last year was orange because we had the fire season the going on. Fires, right. Here. And so, Bob, welcome back. It's a year later. What has changed for you uh, up in Wisconsin? Uh, what has changed? It feels like a lost year. You know, like uh, I was working from home before all of this started. But, you know, the uh, uh, what what's changed in the last year? I don't know. I think everyone's just finally getting comfortable with, with where working from home and work-life balance. The kids are back in school. Uh, I don't have as much company working from home here uh, as I as I used to, and that's good and bad. I kind of miss them, actually. But uh, um, yeah, no, otherwise we pluck away. Uh, version numbers have gone up on the products, and new features have been released. And yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? Uh, you know, a year in between in, in between these things seems like a long time. I'm I'm just impressed that what what episode was this 573 or something like that? Yep, 573. You were back. you were on 527 I'm, last. I'm time. starting to feel really old. I got to tell you, so it it is true. We we've just been 
<laughs> on and on. And uh, but I would say that uh, the the color of the bay here is a beautiful turquoise blue. Good, sunny, Good. seventy-two degrees. The air is uh clear the fires have dined down and uh and i'm happy that uh we've got that and uh we'll we'll continue on and i believe that we are going to have uh manib join us now we're going to add him to the stream there hey manib how's it going welcome to the show we just did the introduction so uh we'll just uh do a, a quick shout out to you and say like uh we asked bob like how's it going this year you were on uh on podcast number 505 which was made of the following 2020 so it's been over a year and six months what has changed for you in the last year with regard to like your job and how you're doing your job with the uh, year of covid oh my god yeah a lot's changed i, I remember doing that in person there Eric, and uh, now we're remote and uh well technology is helping us but uh yeah, there's a lot gone on. And, uh, you know, I've been here with VMware for nine plus years. And, you know, I think um, what's changed in the last year has been a lot of innovation acceleration that's happened. And I've taken a new role. I am um, building uh, edge compute business for VMware. So I'm trying to incubate what VMware's position uh, for edge compute's going to look like and how are we bringing together all our multi-cloud solutions towards the edge. And it's been fascinating. It's been, um, you know, I've been talking about 125 plus customers who are in the very early stages of their edge projects. And um, I'm learning so much. I, I believe it's the, the next area of innovation where, you know, last decade was probably the, the public cloud innovation and the next decade we anticipate that innovation to be at the edge. But we can go double click that in a little bit, but it's just yeah, um, complete new models. Right. And I, I got to do a shout out. You were right in the thick of um, modern, uh, you know, modernizing the digital environment uh, using uh, uh, business continuity practices, right at VMware, right? And so you talked to us, talked to, talk to us all about that and COVID hit and it was just like an acceleration of everybody needed to turn all of that on overnight because of COVID, right? And you got to live that dream. Uh, how long did you survive that before you then you, you shifted into edge? Yeah, look, I think uh, the whole business continuity getting ready and, you know, it's now officially anywhere workspace and product portfolio, what we can package that together in like 72 hours was, you know, workspace one, carbon black, our SD van, so that's the solution. And, um, you know, all of us went working, you know, work from home overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were able to pull that together. I remember in 72 hours, you know, pull through to have an offer, which is now officially anywhere workspace, um, get that to market fast because all of our customers were wondering, what am I going to do? How am I, you know, everybody had workspace like solutions, but for the road warriors or people who travel, not for typically R&D who are always coming to office. So um, that was an amazing kind of shift. And we literally have seen that. I think when the when all of us started working from home, um, that was the start of the you know edge. Now we I see more workloads moving towards the edge. So when I kind of uh, beginning of this year was uh, when you know I had uh, you know that you know Ragu and and you know uh, at that time Pat and Sanjay and everybody said, hey, um, edge is starting to we're seeing workloads moving towards the edge. Now you have had the experience of you know. SDDC for the first four years and multi-cloud for the last four years, then why don't you go out and, uh, you know, tell us what we need to do at the edge? Because it seems like 
the workloads are moving there or new workloads are being built there. Just so beginning of this year, when I took this role to, to build out a engineering team, a product management team, and to build out new products for the edge. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Before we get uh, any further, let's just bump up a little bit, talk about the VMworld. We're going to be talking about VMworld. Uh, it's exciting. It's coming up in three weeks now. So October 5th quarter. the 7th. Um, so go get yourself registered if you haven't already. Session Builder is live, so you can go register for the sessions. We'll call out Bob and Manoob's uh, sessions today, so you can go check them out and get registered. I think there now are over a thousand sessions that you can go register for or actually Activities. So I think there's 750, 800 sessions plus activities, uh, all of it free or not, not 99% of it free. So go get yourself registered. Now is the time to get registered. You can schedule yourself in. And I tell you to do that now because we look at how things are being registered and then we change content and sometimes we release additional content based on what people are registering, right? Or spinning up other sessions or talk. So we're dynamically responding to what the reg numbers look like. So go register. Uh, for sessions so we know what we can do for the show as we come into the last three weeks of the show. Um, other things to shout out, uh, you know, it is happening October 5th through 7th. Um, there are eight learning tracks uh, that are interesting, app modernization, multi-cloud, security, networking, edge, end user services, uh, inspirational, inspire change and vision and innovation. So great tracks that kind of have a good mix of for everybody. Um, there are VMware sponsor zones, interactive hands-on labs. We all know about that. We had had hands-on labs uh, on our show, I think two shows ago. So go check out that episode, uh, 571, I think. Um, there's obviously community networking activities. Uh, again, general pass is free. If you want a Tech Plus pass to have hands-on sessions with you know under 30 people engaging with experts, I think it's $2.99. So go give a consider purchasing that if you want to have interactions uh, work uh, with real people in very small session environments. Uh, that's kind of worth it if you're interested in very topical conversations directly with VMware people. Uh, and again, uh, Raghu and Samit's keynotes happening on October 5th. Go register for that. Plus, we have really cool people that we've signed up for cameos as well as I, I think I think I'll, I'll just say Wozniak is doing a cameo. So uh, oh, nice. kind of fun to see that kind of come out. Uh, also, Michael J. Fox is doing an interview. We have somebody we're announcing later today. Can't talk to say the name yet, but it's somebody from Hollywood that's fun that I really think is fun. I'm excited about that one. Uh, so lots of cool things happening to make it an interactive space. We are putting out a letter that says ask your boss for the two to three days off so that you can actually participate and engage with all the content. Um, Matt, am I missing anything else before we uh, transition into, um, I guess we call out the expert parties. What else we got there? Well, I think let's go back to the calendar thing, right? For a minute. It's important that people set aside the time, right? And yeah. whether that's the, the, how they're consuming those sessions on demand or, or going through and finding what sessions they want to consume it's important that we block that time out as part of the learning and educational experience that is VMworld. So work with your teams as far as if you're the director or that VP to allow those individuals or the individual contributors to allocate the time to participate in the event. And for those that are out there, set aside the time within your calendar. It's still three weeks out. 
block the time aside so that you can go through and listen to all of these great sessions and presentations and, and become more knowledgeable uh, as an operator and have an idea of where we're headed as a company, as a direction. Great opportunity for all. Yeah. And, and just the, the sheer volume, I think what you need to do as a strategy is take the two or three days and allocate it to like the special things that you actually want to be in real time because there's yeah. going to be Slack chats, there's session chats that are happening so that you can actually engage with the people in real time with the key topics you want. But then, you know, the search engine on the content catalog just gives you all kinds of stuff that you can go watch off. I think VMworld really should go from like October to January 5th when I'm done with my break because that's the time I get to geek out you know especially during the holiday breaks and you know learn some stuff do some projects set up some uh, you know some new new devices uh, and and have fun with that and it's all a learning activity too so excited about that all right um, so let's get to our guests we usually will do a kind of a small introduction I think Manib has given me a little bit of that so Bob I'll hit you and say like okay the last time you were on the podcast you were in your basement uh, you were talking vSphere we talked all vSphere vSAN all SDDC it seems like now at VMworld you're you're doing a bit more security but still layered on top of vSphere tell us a little bit about uh, what your role is and what you're gonna be talking about well I'm in technical marketing I I talk about, uh, we often joke in technical marketing that, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of in the middle of all of it. And actually with security, yeah, I do, I do a lot of security and a lot of compliance stuff primarily, but I can, I can speak to vSphere. vSphere, uh, I like to say that, you know, it all starts with vSphere. It all starts with ESXi and all that stuff. And so, you know, uh, all of what I talk about, it resonates higher in the stack and out to the edge, you know, securing the edge is a really interesting problem as well, you know, because it's not, it's not a medieval castle anymore. It's more like a fractal, you know. And oh my goodness, how do you how do you secure that when the when the workload goes through the roof, you know? Uh, and so yeah, there's always something to talk about security. Uh, when you when we talk about security, people always talk about. Um, talk about confidentiality you know but information security is confidentiality integrity and availability you know and everything most of the features in most of our products can be sorted into one of those categories if not more and so that makes them i like to joke that it, I'm, that makes them all security features you know and so driving risk down driving productivity up that sort of thing so yeah yeah uh, looking forward to vmworld this year uh there's a lot of security emphasis on security ransomware uh, I, I don't want to say ransomware has been great, you know, because it hasn't clearly, but, uh, uh, ransomware has been this great boogeyman, the monster under the bed that security has needed for decades to get people moving. And it's unfortunate that people, and I get, you know, I, I, people are just, don't react, don't, aren't proactive about security and things like that. And so, you know, ransomware is really creeping up and taking a lot of organizations by surprise. So we'll be talking a lot about that this year, uh, you know, and what to do about it. Uh, yeah. And the the problem is these sessions, you know, it's great to talk about them, you know, and these sessions are going to be nice. People can ask questions. Uh, one of my sessions is recorded. Uh, two of them will be live where I talk a little bit and then meet the experts sort of thing. And so it'll be sort of a free for all for questions. But uh, um, yes. 
I, I think that you hit on something that I've been, you know, dealing with, which is uh, one, we get visibility on social. So I get to track social. We have really cool social mm -hmm. tools to see who's talking, what's talking. And this will come back to Maniv in a little bit here in that uh, number one is modern apps, modernizing your application. So you listen to mm -hmm. Ragu and it's like he's talking about, hey, apps everywhere. You know, it is all about the application and how you're running these applications. Uh, and then number two is uh, security. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, the, the number two thing that's talked about is security. Right. And the security threats yeah. and what we have to deal with when you have the apps running all over the place out to the edge. And then number three, you guessed it, is the edge. Right. Uh, Manuba, it is absolutely true. Now, people are trying to get ahead of this. Right. Because the apps, this is how you're running your apps. Right. And it, it becomes interrelated. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it, it all sits on top of eSphere mostly. Right. Or at least our approach does. But at the same time, it's like it's this blanket of the whole network and all the places that this stuff has to run and security has to worry about it. You have to worry about security where it's running and you have to worry about how to get it out to that edge and run it. So it's absolutely popular, popular topics. Yeah. And I think the pandemic has accelerated uh, the push to the edge, right? And I, I kind of mentioned in you know, passing there, Eric, 125 conversations across all types of industries, right? So retail, manufacturing, they're all kind of dealing with, you know, retailers where, like, you know, where when people say innovation got accelerated through the pandemic, they're not kidding, right? So the retailers, I'll just throw you a nugget there and we can go, it's just, they had a plan for curbside pickup in three years or five years, uh, you know, yeah. you know, the pandemic happens, it's shut down. They had to bring that together in three weeks because, you know, what they're saying was it became a necessity for cash flow because if they don't have cash flow, they don't exist as a company or a business, right? So uh, that, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of all, in, uh, you know, inventions. So they were forced to accelerate this, become very, you know, digital where the physical meets the, you know, the digital. So they had to kind of really, you know, we've talked about digital transformation for a long time, but that, and it really hit us at the last mile at the edge, just in the, la in the pandemic. Yeah, I wonder if this also went through a phase where I noticed it as a consumer that everybody did, you know, pick up, right? You know, that I can go to REI, go to Best Buy, and I could sit in, in the parking lot. But now I look at it, and it's like their digital properties, right? Their web stores are becoming the number one thing that they actually spend their time on. And yeah, you can pick up at stores, kind of like an afterthought if you want to do that. But also, stores are just local caches now, you know, right, like they're just, right. it's just a local cache. So. Ah, they they talk about uh, I forget the term. The, it's the a distribution point rather than yeah. a retail facility. Yeah, they yeah. call it like dark stores or something, which is basically. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's a new terminology I picked up talking to a lot of the largest retailers around the world. They're just dark stores, which are clearance houses for storage. Where <laughs> it's warehousing stuff. Like they don't need. Yeah, I was going to say, how life. is that not a warehouse? But yeah, yeah. you know, like, yeah. yeah, just because they have real estate, they just have all of this real estate. They're just kind of yeah. storing it and. And, and some of them really innovating in what I would call omni-channel retail experience. They're pretty much to say, yeah, I have a preference for a lot of stuff to come online, but I want to go touch and feel my tomatoes or what have you. Mm -hmm. So how do I kind of do an online experience, but then still give them a blend of brick and mortar? But how is it all, you know, uh, very digitally? So in your app, how do you make all of that work? Now, that kind of innovation I think it was a pipe dream, pipe dream before the pandemic. I think the pandemic yeah. just made it happen, right? So, 
all these people with all these different modes of uh, of shopping and that yeah i like just ordering stuff and having it show up in my driveway you know but i even in ordering stuff and going and swinging through and picking it up i you know rather than trying to find where the 20 amp breakers are in the hardware store let them find it whatever you know like that's it, they know where their their stuff is that's it's not worth my time anymore but i can get like the produce and stuff like that yeah like i yeah, my trust for our local grocery stores here picking out the produce for me is not high, you know, and so I want to go do that. Then you, yeah, what you're saying resonates really well with me. The, well, I uh, think that's an option for com consumers to save. And, and anybody, I think you could comment to this as well. Now that this has been introduced and consumers have demanded it, it's not yeah, something that once we see in any future state that will be a recursion. It will mm -hmm. be for here for, to say it will be part of the repertoire for retailers that they will have to offer to be competitive. Table yeah, stakes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think this became from, uh, oh, a wishful, you know, innovative idea, nice to have to a must have. And it, but, you know, bringing it back, it, it became a necessity for their cash flow, the survivability of their business. And then that got deployed. You know, just switching manufacturing, they got impacted by global supply chains. Everything got, everything stopped. So they are trying to automate their processes. They're trying to, you know, look at localized supply chains. They're trying to do more, you know, before they would kind of collect parts from parts from everywhere, assemble in one place. But now they're like, you know, you know, part, partitioning that assemble here, which is all local supply chain, complete this process and ship. So they're driving a lot of efficiencies in manufacturing in just in time, just trying to deal with, you know, the choking of global supply chain across and they're running this digital transformation as well at the edge, at the factory floors, at all of that. So that's kind of, for me, amazing to go out there and talk to these guys. And, you know, let me get nerdy for a second, right? Um, what I've discovered in my conversation, the early guys who have tried to take their applications and run them at the edge, no matter where they built it, right? So they, they built it in a public cloud entity, natively on the cloud or, you know, on the data center. I, I'm on to something you'll find me talk about at VMworld and you'll, you'll hear Raghu call them edge native applications. They seem to have a very different set of attributes. Now, if you kind of dial back and look at, you know, what we did with vSphere and what we did with the multi-cloud, you know, we built, I would say, in the data center, a client-server architecture where we designed it for, you know, traditionally client-server architecture. We were, you know, up, you know, we're abstracting, pooling, and you know, automating compute resources within a data center, which is like, hey, I can drive efficiencies. We kind of shifted to the public cloud model. We, you know, looked at the cloud-native applications, which had a different microservices look and feel to it and containerized, but they were also for hyperscale compute. So how do I, you know, again, pool across a large, you know, uh, compute and Elastic compute, Elastic compute grows and shrinks, and I should not have any, uh, you know, extra work to do. What's different about the edge or edge native applications I've discovered engaging and trying to prototype and do these build these applications is they are less compute heavy. They have very, you know, fixed compute parameters, but they are data dense. So they are having to deal with a lot of data in real time coming from you know, factory floors, what have you, but they're looking for fast data processing in real time, some inferencing, and that feedback goes in. Now, the application model itself, it's starting to come up with a unique set of attributes 
that we have I have not seen in my 20 years of IT career where I have dealt with client server architecture, cloud native, Unix systems, what have you. It's like the attributes are fascinating. It's an in, entire new space that, you know, that's when I say I see the innovation in the next and where you think, again, I gave you the, the compute footprint evolving, the operational footprint, we're used to IT footprints. We went from IT with servicing, ticketing, ITSM models, blah, blah, blah. Cloud, it became a cloud SRE. Now, because of the nature of how this is done, I'm seeing a new emergence in the edge, which is actually a blend of IT and OT technologies, which is, you know, we're not doing IoT, but fundamentally the workflow very different to raising a ticket for spinning up a ecom a web server or a database server it looks very different so i'm kind of super fascinated the geek in me to go break new ground on this new breed of applications which we are going to call the edge native applications that vmware will take a stand in building so data yeah. locality matters Absolutely. Yeah, that, the whole term of data gravity. Uh, well, you were talking, I was thinking about that because, you know, that's a problem in a lot of different spaces. Uh, locality to the problem that you're solving, that your applications have, you know, point of sale, all that stuff. And there's a lot of these folks, uh, you talk about digital transformation, the digital part means there's got to be a computer out there somewhere, right? You know, like, and I think about my relatives that have machine shops in the middle of the northern forests of Minnesota and Wisconsin, you know, they, they've got uh, computer controlled stuff, all this stuff. There's a locality that's required by these applications uh, that uh, uh, they can't run it in the cloud or they don't want to run it in the cloud. You know, uh, if somebody hits their internet connection with a backhoe, it's going to be days until they're back online. You know, and so, yeah, that's I can't even imagine the the trying to write down the requirements for the edge native applications uh, and imagine that they'd be quite a bit different and orthogonal to what we've traditionally thought about. You're absolutely right. We're all, I'm seeing the early dozen customers who are going down the path, spending three, four months rewriting, replatforming applications to make them work at the end. That was kind of the aha yeah. moment for me. It's like, why is it? So different. And then I, I have a it's running list of attributes, uh, which I will share in my session about what they are. And they're very early, but everybody just thinks it's easy. It's like, you know, almost to me, it's like deja vu 10 years ago. Oh, you know what? Cloud bursting is going to be so easy. I just pick up my workload. It's going to go to the cloud. <laughs> yeah, we'll just put it up in the cloud. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's not going to work. You have all the, all the assumptions that, that programmers have made, IT has made, all this stuff, you know, traffic patterns security all this stuff and then you go oh crap you know like and it's not good you know so yeah your session thinking about it uh i think that'll be really cool if people are if you've got some of these attributes you know I, get people I, I, and by the way it. this is early right yeah you're absolutely yeah. right this is early me just talking to a dozen of bleeding edge customers are trying to do this am i also sharing this back with the analyst community and they have you know been like you guys are onto something. Nobody else has come up with this because everybody's just trying to migrate. It's like, it's not a migration. It's actually a, a edge native is a whole different beast. And I do believe that that's a new generation of edge native applications. And just like we saw cloud SREs and, you know, DevSecOps, all of those generation, you'll have a new generation of this coming up. And it's exciting for that you know, we are at the helm of driving that, you know, mindset and strategy. And, you know, we're discovering, we're all learning as a, uh, as an industry, and that's and that's a good thing, and and uh, for for this, and what was also fascinating, it gets me instantly those customers 
to their line of business folks who are trying to solve some real business outcome problems <laughs> and they're dependent on technology to solve for it. And, um, you know, they're all waiting on anything that we can give them because they just don't know how to solve for it. And, you know, unfortunately, like you pointed out, Bob, you know, going to the cloud is not an option because, you know, the retailers are now putting cameras in, mm -hmm. you know, self-service checkouts for fraud detection. Yeah, that's you can't stream going up to the cloud. Yeah. Just not going to happen. Right. No. I have uh, I have friends who build hardware and are doing chip chip design and even the chip guys you know out on the edge are looking at how much memory do we put next to an SOC right because what's happening the the way the apps are running and the memory requirements are different than they were five years ago or four years ago three years ago now that this shift has started to happen which is kind of like the digital revolution right is 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 happening and it's like it's interesting to look at them redesign and the pushback they get from chip people going what what do you mean we're going to do it this way? There's layers of memory that's allocated. And they're like, we don't need that anymore. The app is behaving differently. Right. Yeah. You actually hit a very good point there because I'm talking to all our partners in, you know, Intel and NVIDIA and everybody else, because um, again, that chip construct itself, the memory, the caching, that's where I said it's data dense. So we all designed everything for compute density, not data density. Right. And we're dealing with the data density and you know how fast can we process in real time looks slightly different, looks very different. And then where this comes very, very interesting is how do you actually sift through voluminous data? It starts getting into the areas of ML operations and AI operations, not sitting in the cloud, but at the edge in real time. So we're also exploring, you will hear me talk about, is how do we break out the AI and ML models where there is an inferencing model sitting at the edge? And there might be a training model in the cloud, but you have to break this apart. But you can't just do it all in software. It has to be all the way into the, into the chipset. And uh, as I said, fascinating new areas because amount of data volume, the amount of the sifting through that data is through some ML, uh, it is coming to life at the edge. So, you know, I'm super excited to be here helping VMware kind of, you know, figure out what, yeah. what we should be doing. <laughs> and, it, it, and it's actually cool. I'll drive people back to VMworld. If you go to VMworld, we have thought leaders and luminaries on that front page. And one of them is Wendy Gonzalez, who is CEO of Sama, which is like an AI company that worries about how to like build your new AI, get that data into a new AI model that you can then use to build these applications, right? So it is fascinating the change that's happening to introduce AI out on the edge as well, right? Like, a, which is all camera data you know and it, it to bob your point if somebody's taking something from your store you you can't architect your application to go back to a cloud and have you know like that's just not going to work that oh, way yeah yeah i'll give you a real customer who told me this in the retail and you know i'm not going to name the the customer or the country because i don't want to you know put so apparently a biggest loss for them the retailers are you know margin operates at like four mm -hmm. four percent of very, very small margins, right? right? Yeah. So apparently in some store they have to take a, a $50 bottle of wine and then, you know, take the sticker off a $10 one, stick it on the $50 and scan it. <laughs> so, you know, obviously you save 40 bucks, but you know, they lost 40 bucks. So they've got these cameras, which are sitting real time, looking at what's in your shopping cart. Then they are connecting that to the NCR scanners, what have you, where they're scanning it. So they're doing a, a correlation the between the, yeah. the verification between the, yeah. the visual and the scan. And then yeah, within milliseconds, notifying the supervisor to walk in, right? So, yeah. well, there yeah, goes what you just my, scanned goes, doesn't look like the picture we have stored, you know, yes, like, yes. yeah. 
And they do a little bit of that. The self-service stuff does that with weight sometimes at like grocery stores. You know, they know what something should weigh and you didn't put it in there and it didn't weigh the same when you put it in, you know, but this just takes that to a whole new level. So, it also brings up questions of scale, right? Of, of how do these retailers, as they start, start to hit busier peak traffic situations, how do we position a platform now that can scale out at the edge? And some might say that this is now a different way than what we were now looking at with these hyperscalers, where it's a totally different model, right? We have to take different metrics and different solutions to that problem because now we're using it an entirely different, you know, from the hardware to software level up of what we can do out at the edge for these particular workloads. Yeah, Matt, I'd give you an example of talking to an uh, event uh, company, right? So they're, they're, they're more, uh, I'm trying to not tell the name, but you know, it is just, uh, you know, people who run a stadium, if you think about it, right? So they are saying most of the time during the week, I have five, 10 people there who come to work. But come the weekend, I have 50,000 to 60,000 people all there together to go bang, 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 right? So I think um, when you talked about that scale, man, I got reminded of that conversation because they're like, now do I just activate them all out of somewhere or do I have local resources that I can, you know, just deploy locally to handle those, you know, 50,000 attendees for my in my stadium and they're all downloading they're all looking at really rich content so how do i actually you know um make sure i have cash content to serve them and it's an interesting problem at the edge and it's just the scale and, and how do we make that cost efficient for the customer right do, that's what they're looking for we using bursty modeling models to make sure that we are buying for peak demand and you know averaging out and can accommodate to those particular workloads sure it's a it's a and, very complex problem even some of the technical problems, like you know, some people want to save money in between these burst events, you know, so they shut their infrastructure down. How do you keep that secured? How do you keep it patched? All that stuff. And when it's off, you know, how do we do, how do we do that? You know, like mentioning assumptions before what this space just challenges all of our assumptions that we've had for the last 30, 40 years in the central IT world, you know? Yeah, and it, it gets to that, Bob, the multi-cloud strategy that Ragu talks about, right, where the reality is when you're building these out, you're going to be working with the telcos, right? They're, they're, they're going to be building little, mm -hmm. you know, edge cloud environments that you can run out on the edge. You're going to have your hyperscalers. You're going to have your own data center. You're going to have a mix of this. And then securing and delivering across all of these. I, I get right why Raghu is so excited. Everybody, every time he talks, he talks about this whole thing and the infrastructure required to make all of this work across all these endpoints, right? It's like, it's interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, you actually hit a very important point there, um, Eric, on service providers, because as you know, they have the last mile. Right. So they have the opportunity like we've had data centers, we have public clouds. But, you know, even if you look at all the public cloud providers that are, you know, the, the availability zones are only 65, 100. They're like they're limited in their, their regions and zones and where they have the footprint. However, you have a lot of, you know, service providers who have 25,000, you know, cell towers. You have, you know, all of them. So the key part of this continuum in the multi-cloud from a data center, public cloud to the edge 
you really have this, and we'll do this definition in in, in the keynote. Uh, we, you know, Ragu and Sumit will talk about is about you know we actually call it the near edge and the far edge. It's a slight kind of double click where far edge is really that customer shop or retail shop or manufacturing floor. The near edge is somewhere in between, which is where the service providers come in. Service providers have an opportunity of a lifetime to provide mm -hmm. uh, edge compute services from their environments. So we've made those announcements with South Korea Telecom, fundamentally, et cetera, basically. Every cell tower in South Korea, 25,000 cell towers, where they're running Dell hardware and VMware software for the edge, and they suddenly become edge compute pops, then providing local edge compute services. So um, so the, the lifetime and opportunity- new revenue for, streams for those telcos. But, mm -hmm. but having said that, the telcos need to step up. They've always just been, you know, connectivity, network providers making money pipe, in bits yeah. and bytes, right? So pipe, they have yeah. the opportunity to provide IaaS, PaaS, SaaS, and become almost the, you know, edge cloud providers. And that's kind of the opportune moment because, you know, we've had uh, data that's been floating around from the analysts, which says, by you know the next five to ten years, the workload distribution, which we really you know we maniacally follow on, it's going to be fifty percent of the public cloud, fifty percent of private cloud. They project in the next five to ten years that distribution will be thirty percent of the private cloud, forty percent of the public cloud, and thirty percent of the edge. That distribution. Wow. So that's a significant move, but that is anywhere between the near and far edge, and that's kind of the excitement of going in. But all of these applications have. Not client server architecture, not you know cloud native architecture, some new type of architecture that we are all at the at the you know edge of figuring out. <laughs> no pun intended. Right, right, right. All right, we'll shift gears here because I know we want to just do some shout outs for the individual sessions themselves. And so I'll start because I've, I have a list here, Bob. Um, the one that I find interesting, and I don't know if this is clickbait or if this is real or not. It's um, all but, clickbait, yeah, Eric. It's all clickbait. Thanks. Uh, session 1385, which is ransomware resistance and recovery with vSphere security. And I and I hear ransomware and I go, oh, yeah, I, I need to learn more about this because it's uh, it's scary. Right. And I, yeah. I look at even my own VMs that are running out and down a data center that I check around and I'm like, I got time in these things. I don't want somebody threatening to shut it down or ruining my backups or anything like it's that. It's a real violation discovering that uh, an APT group is like in the middle of your your network and it has been there for hundreds of days. These people are very patient. Uh, this is big bucks to them. Them being patient nets the million dollar payouts and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, ransomware itself, I think people are getting really kind of tired of talking about ransomware. I know I am, but uh, I don't have a choice. I it, There are so many people that uh, want to try to prepare themselves. They're finally coming around to the idea that they might need to. I um, mean, you, um, you mentioned business continuity uh, in your introduction, you know, it, the stuff um, ransomware in many ways is a people in process problem. It's not a technological problem. And uh, it's a people in process problem with patching and resilience and architecture and all that stuff. And so that's uh, I'm doing that session with uh, one of our product managers, Ken Drury. Uh, he's the vSphere and VCF uh, Cloud Foundation uh, security product manager. And he and I uh, go through a lot of that stuff. And it's kind of unfortunate because in 45 minutes, what can we talk about in 45 minutes? Uh, yeah, I can't give anybody, and everybody's environments are different, you know? And so telling, telling people what they absolutely need to do, eh, it's all negotiable. But what we can do is we can plant a lot of seeds. 
uh, we can help people think about the the people and process side of things. Your organization won't let you patch. You know, patching, people give me crap all the time about patching, you know, saying that, uh, oh, we should patch. People need to patch and patch faster, patch smarter, things like that. And, oh, well, what if you can't? Well, we need to work that out. We need to figure that out. And so strategies for that, you know, how do we approach this? How do we approach the, the business side of things? Uh, what does a business continuity plan uh, you know, does an organization have a ransomware in their business continuity plans? Uh, what are they planning for the right thing? Planning for everything to be down, you know, uh, and even little things like the, and this is lessons I learned personally once, uh, the hard way that, uh, you know, when everything's down, how do you know somebody's phone number to call them and get them to help, you know? And, uh, uh cause where did I store that information? I stored it in a system that was off, you know? And so it's just, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. So getting people to think about it, getting them in that mindset to start thinking about these problems and thinking about it in a different way. Not that, you know, the attackers are outside the castle walls and we're cozy inside, no, uh, we have to really change our assumptions that the attackers are inside with us and maybe creeping around, checking stuff out. And, you know, that changes a lot of how we operate. Yeah. And that kind of leads into your second uh, session, which is vSphere security best practices straight from the experts. And I think that's the one of the lives sessions that yeah. you guys are going to be doing. And you're really going to just be talking about, you know, what are those best practices, guidelines, holistic approaches to, you know, We've got resources for this stuff. We've got checklists. We've got the security configuration guide for vSphere, which remains the best baseline for securing vSphere. Uh, there's a new version of it coming out soon here uh, that will will really focus on trying to make it easier, leaning into a lot of the defaults for the products. You know, why if the product is secure by default, why don't what do we need to worry about that isn't secure by default? Architecture changes things like that. So that's stuff I'll be talking about in that session as well. We'll we'll go through a lot of that stuff, but that's also an interactive one. Those those sessions are nice. They're meet the experts. You can ask questions and you'll get them answered. I yeah, I will stick around until all the questions are answered. Yeah, I think that's another thing that I should just call out is that on those sessions, I think last year when we did VMworld, they ended and then it, it was over. Yeah, right? it's like, um, ah. This year we fixed that where if somebody's doing a session and they're in chat and they want to stay, it's not going to end. It's yeah, just going to stay. Good, good, good. good. It's going to continue on so that people can still be in chat chatting until finally somebody. Yeah, I'll stick around. I, I've got all those days blocked off. You know, like that's ask me questions, you know. There's I can the answer whole like conversation there. that we're so often looking for, right? But yeah. Well, that's the thing, that organic conversation, everything I've been missing for the last year and a half about working with you guys and working with my immediate coworkers and the customers and that, going to VMUGs and conferences, just the organic, the hallway track, at, you know, the as we joke in uh, at conferences, the hallway track is as important as any sort of other session that's out there. You know, the organic uh, ability to ask a question think something up, go find a whiteboard, that sort of thing. And so, yeah. Yeah, you definitely miss that, right? So a lot of my um, ideas of innovation have come. And I know Eric always, when we were in the office, would walk past my office and look at my <laughs> wall and go, I like the way you've innovated there, Mini. But, you know, I yeah, think, uh, exactly. you know, 80% right. of them, uh, of my patents have come from hallway chats. It's just, you know, yeah. you're at a conference, you're trying to solve a problem. You're like, oh, you know, when you have a regulated session, you're just, oh, absorbing information and processing it. When you're actually processing the 
the information, you come up with new questions and you say, is that problem being solved? Oh, maybe not. Oh, what about this? So I kind of totally missed that hallway piece because, you know, 80% of my, you know, um, 20 odd patterns have come out of those hallway conversations in, yeah, in you just, know, IEEE, IETF conferences. I yeah. believe it. Yeah. I, yeah, I a lot of my like content it. comes directly from uh, uh, customers after a session asking me a question or, hey, this is the problem I have. And you kind of talked about it, but, eh, you know, and uh, there have been product changes because of those sorts of things. There's all kinds of stuff. And so I don't know. I don't know what the solution is to that, but little things where we if we can keep the sessions open, that that helps them immensely. Yeah, uh, there's the. I, we're trying to replace that this year by getting extending the session so they don't close. We've created Slack channels for everybody so that you can be on Slack. You have the uh, live sessions, which will have chat um, embedded in because I think they're doing it on Zoom for the live sessions. And then the the recorded sessions, there's going to be a chat function with the recorded sessions as well. And I know that all the VMware code and VMTN sessions, the speakers will be part of the session when it's running. Um, so I think that's also a good uh, Anib, we haven't talked about your sessions. I think somebody told me you had seven sessions. I know we're promoting the one session that we identified as like top 20 sessions of VMworld, which uh, which is your why edge is the next generation evolution of cloud. Uh, so I'll do a shout out to that. That's one that everybody should go sign up for, EDG2593. But I'm told you got other sessions as well. Is that yeah. true? That is very true. We have a dedicated Ed channel at uh, at VMworld, which and then um, yeah, I have sessions. So do go listen to my session where everything I just kind of give you a highlight of. I'll go into the depth of what we're discovering at the Edge, and um, you know I'll get into some of those actual customer use cases we're running into and issues they're running into doing the you know uh, build out of these new modern applications they are modern applications but they just have a different flavor to them and um, you know what we need to do and then you know we have some exciting announcements we will make uh, that at VMworld that uh, of course uh, Raghu will make in this keynote about um, announcing new offers for edge uh, from VMware, which I'm excited to bring to market. And, um, you know, I think uh, there was a little bit of a, a leak of that last week with Lenovo, if you, you know, look up at the tech world. But, uh, but you know, it's, we didn't make any announcement, but we obviously tested out all our software on all, all our OEM partners. So when we actually announce it, it'll be applicable on all OEM partners. But, um, so yeah, you'll talk me, you know, talk, you know, hear me talk about that solution, what problems we're solving, what type of ITOT concerns we're running into, and you know, again, our intent this time is not to go, you know, do OT management. It's about you know processing all that data in real time and applying new models, and you know, that that's what you'll hear me talk about in this session. But but Eric, you're right. I'm in uh, <laughs> seven other sessions because we're doing it with a set of partners. So I'm in, and you know, I'll have. Um, what I'm discovering at the edge, which you will see me in there, is very quickly uh, the solution. This is why I said why I, I get start talking to the line of business folks quickly is uh, it becomes very industry specific. So retailers have a different workflow. Manufacturers have a different problem. You know, healthcare a different problem. Logistics a different problem. So what I'm I find myself in in a lot of the times is I'm trying to solve. Uh, the physical meeting digital problem, but to a very specific industry protocol. So, uh, so what I've also done is I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking to with a couple of retailers at 
at the show that but you know Kroger for example will be in there so uh, about what we are helping them do that I have uh, the CTO of Procter and Gamble in another manufacturing conversation where we're helping Procter and Gamble you know uh, digitally transform at the edge and all the manufacturing stores so you'll have yawns from there so it's a very industry specific conversation but it's real customer problems that sounds really neat and everybody should take note of this if you're listening because what was exciting about VMworld in 2006, 2007, 2008 was listening to customers build virtualization from scratch, right? Like it was like, it was like this, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. And everybody was in awe at customers that would then go take a rack of 20 servers and, and, and in one day have them running on two servers at the bottom of the rack with 20 VMs, right? And I feel like the edge is like that now. If you can have customers come in and give us examples, use cases of where they're doing this edge computing. For me, that's like super exciting because it's like brand new, cutting edge. No one's done this. And you just sit in awe and go, wow, that's 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 really neat. And yeah. you learn how they do it. You absolutely. And they're, they're so gracious. And first, I would say sharing their problems because I don't think anybody in this industry is solving it. So they're looking for somebody to help and solve that problem. And they're looking to us because, you know, they're user technology and they actually, you know, have evaluated all of their options and knocking on our door to say, we actually believe you're the right person. You know, you're the right company to solve that problem for us because it's. Uh, right. Yeah. And sorry, Matt. I well, know you're saying, yeah. How many co companies that are doing infrastructure have a Manoub who's got a team of engineers that can listen and then talk and then help build technology to, to help them solve the problem, right? So it's, it's, it's actually impressive. Okay. For yep. the first time, I, I think in my professional IT career, I, I'm seeing, and I'll ask this to, to Manoub if, if this is what he's seeing as well, is we're able to move this compute memory and storage closer to the, the, the nature of the data, of where the data is being generated. Are we there or go more able and more agile to actually solve the business problem, right? It seems like it, it, we talk about industry specific cases with healthcare, IT, retail and whatnot. And now where it was before was, was a virtualization, it was a platform now it's more even th there so where we can really put technology in place to solve what is now true business problems and drive value and innovation and true what we talk about app modernization. That's the new app modernization, at least for me, of what, of what we see is where we're now where we can put all of these compute resources out at the edge and actually solve true business problems. You got it. I think that's the, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think that's where the platform, I think in the past, it was not that much data because that's a lot more physical as at the edge, there's more digital. We're just moving that compute network storage platform closer to where the data is being created because of all the real-time requirements. And what are the real-time requirements? They are business outcomes. They are business actions. If it's a manufacturer, they're looking for those signals pretty quickly so that they can do predictive maintenance of their uh, you know, factory floor. If it's retailers, they want, they're looking to, for fraud detection or shelving the right things or you know, closing personalization for their customers. If it's healthcare, they're looking for you know, electronic medical records, which is you know, coming back to Bob. There was a big, you know, one of our healthcare labs, their biggest concern at the edge was, again, mm -hmm. in the pandemic, 
we've always pushed electronic medical records in facilities like labs or hospitals, which are always very secure and, you know, it's, you know, connected and, you know, you have, you know, records which are unsafe. Now, a lot of the treatments are happening in, you know, in, you know, shots being given in stadiums or, or, you know, in parking garages where the last mile is maybe not even a Wi-Fi connection. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a LTE 4G connections and all the EMRs, Starlink. like yeah. the EMR records are going to mobile phones, not secure. So um, it mm. gives them a very important, you know, angle to say, how do I get this, all this process? How do I secure it? How do I, you know, uh, do it? Because I wasn't exposed to this problem. So again, um, Matt, you hit it. We're moving compute network storage, what we've done closer to the edge. The amount of data at the edge was low. Now it's becoming more. Therefore, we're bringing smaller sized compute network storage requirements. But the apps do look different. So they are very data dense. And so we are we are at the at the edge of breaking into a new type of app model. So you will see in my session, I'll break down the, the new requirement from app model, security, management, scalability, resiliency. So I have a whole set of parameters I compare between um, you know what's happening in the cloud and what's happening in the edge and why all of these are so different. So I think that's the that's it's that's the interesting aspect. And basically, my knowledge of 125 customer engagements, I'm sharing with everybody who's attending VMworld, so we can all get up to speed and learn together in this market. And you know, to close off, other sessions, Eric are with Dell, who we're partnering, of course, uh, with Samsung, who we're partnering with, of course, because you know Samsung has an exciting uh, innovation idea too, which is you know I know we deal with Samsung on endpoint, end-user compute, etc., but they've also you know looking at taking their devices, forget about them as phone, but putting them, they have audio, visual, temperature, all of that, but putting them as you know. OT devices all around the factory floor. So we are actually working with them at the edge to, you know, not think of it as a phone, but actually an operational technology device which can pick up, pick up, you know, frequencies of wear and tear in machine parts before even before we can hear it. And every every yeah. sensor, every sensor invented by man is now embedded in your your modern phone. Every one we can ever invent absolutely in your phone. Bob, uh, we're coming up to the hour. I know that uh, you've been nodding. Any comments with regard to what Manu? Oh, I've been nodding here because this makes, uh, I I think this, you know, how many green fields does one get in their life uh, to invent things? And yeah. this is a wonderful opportunity. You know, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And I was, I was sitting here nodding when Matt was talking because I was thinking, I used to be a customer and our business problems, we, you'd look around and you'd think uh, you, there's applications. The choice for a business came down to, do you bend your processes, your business processes around applications, or do you bend the applications around your business processes? You know, and I'm just sitting here listening to the fact that, you know, this, this is just, a, there's so many more tools in our toolbox now to uh, to bend an application to make to make things that are more custom, but not not hard to support these things that are because uh, that's the other trade off. Custom stuff becomes hard to support. It's these bespoke systems. What if we didn't have that? What if we had a, a toolbox and all these tools, all these things, you know, whatever you want, a building block system sort of thing that uh, just more stuff that organizations can use to apply to these problems. And I think I think it's wonderful, honestly. Yeah, there's going to be security stuff. I, I'm going to have a job forever talking about security stuff, you yeah. know, at the edge and all this, all of this. And none of that's going to go away. 
but I think the opportunities are so great, and I'm really looking forward to to all of these sessions at VMworld. Right. So we'll uh, we'll close up. I'll I'll have one comment, and then I'll ask you how people can follow you guys. Uh, but my comment is a throwback to Scott McNeely, where you know his original you know, marketing theme for uh, Sun Microsystems was the network is the computer, and I think that was kind of like a marketing phrase back then. But I actually look at this now, and I go, actually, there's compute nodes throughout the marketing the the network thread, and so mm -hmm. it it is becoming uh, the reality of life, which is the network is just a series of compute nodes up all. All the way to where I'm holding it on my phone, right? It's uh, fascinating. Um, Manub, I know you're a VP. Do you ever get to talk to people? Can they reach out to you on Twitter? How do you <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, reach out. I am, you know, uh, I'm not, uh, I, you know, I'm a geek at heart. I, I spend my time doing building stuff and I can kind of turn around and show all the little robots and stuff I'm building with my kids. But, um, no, 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 no. Feel free to just reach out to me. I'm, I'm always accessible. I've always have been right. So it's just, yeah. That's the only reason we let you on this podcast is that you're, you're one of us. If you, if you know, normally we don't let anything go higher than a director on the show because it's just, they want to, they want to actually have their handlers review the content, you know, massage it. We have to edit it. So we don't do any of that stuff. So it's great to, to great to have you on and uh, feel free guys to reach out to him. If you have something interesting to com uh, complete, he's at at M U N E-Y-B. I think that's his Twitter handle. So tweet him. And uh, Mr. Plankers, uh, we'll do a shout out to your Twitter handle. Everybody knows they can talk to you. You're Mr. Chatty Chat. Yeah, they talk at me all the time and talk to me sometimes as well. And uh, the, uh, but yeah, no, people can reach out. I mean, uh, at Plankers, it's not, uh, not that hard to, to figure out or whatever, though. Uh, there is an R Plankers. Uh, sometimes I get tagged as R Plankers, too. So now I had to create R Plankers the other day. Uh, the bio just redirects you to me. But the uh, uh, yeah, reach out if you've got a question or a comment or whatever. It is my personal my personal Twitter, Twitter handle. So you'll see memes and me complaining about Taco Bell and whatever, but you know, the, uh, uh, yeah, it happens, but it, I love Twitter because it makes people so accessible, you know, yeah. deep inside companies and you can get answers fast and, and stuff like that. And so, uh, no, I really appreciate all of our customers that do reach out all the folks that do reach out. And, uh, uh, yeah, I miss, I miss seeing them in person. So, you know, let's get this problem solved here so that we can go back to hallway tracks. All right. Well, Matt, I'll let you thank everybody. Sure. And then we're at the top of the hour. So we're going to uh, give it an end and we'll be back again next week to talk about VMworld. So Matt, last word to you. Thank you both for being with us today. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And for our listeners out there again, VMworld, October 5th through the 7th. Set your calendar time aside now and check out the session catalog and the session builder, which are both live and interactive at VMworld.com. Thanks a lot. See you again next week, guys. Rock on. Thank, Thank you. you.